we have, uh, for one week, <laughs> this is week two, um, talking about uh, Deuteronomy 6, um, but we're kind of approaching this idea concerning our kids and student ministry. And wanted to lay a foundation last week of being in alignment with what God wants to do, that we have something, we'll come back to this in just a moment, we have something in mind, a direction we want to go. We desire um, everyone, and especially our kids and students, to have an authentic um, love relationship with Jesus, to follow him. And we have a strategy called Orange that we'll talk about a little bit more today that encompasses that idea. And then it, it really, um, you'll hear about it a little bit, it brings the church and the family together. We want to partner together to raise um, your kids and your students. Our desire is that they don't graduate from high school and leave the church, but have come into a relationship with Jesus and fully invest back into God's kingdom work, wherever that is and whatever that looks like. And that can happen in a lot of ways. So we want to help with that. So that's kind of where we have been last week, where we're going to go today. And Brent will come up next week, and he will share with you some ideas on what Deuteronomy 6 brings up about um, rhythms of our life to help um, in this way, help parents, help students, help kids, and really it even fits for us. So in all of this, I wouldn't want anybody to check out. We all have a place, um, a role to play um, in the raising of uh, kids and students. And then we have a great influence we can have on those around us. And so we want to keep that in mind as we hear the scripture. Um, and in that today, uh, we are going to have one of our kids or students come up. Ethan Cooper is going to come up here and he will read us um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 today. It's your turn, buddy. This is Ethan Cooper. All right, you can give him a hand if you want. Um, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us what you're wearing. It sounded like something on the, the red carpet. Tell us what you're wearing tonight, Ethan. I don't know why that popped into my brain, but. Um, hi, I'm Ethan, and I'm a Boy Scout, and I'm in my uniform, and I'm. <laughs> I messed you up, huh? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm up here because today is Scout Sunday, and one of the core values is um, reverent, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Here he goes. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Amen. Good job, Ethan. 
<laughs> Thank you, buddy. All right. You want to keep that mic and say something once in a while, like an amen or something like that? Or... <laughs> what a great scripture. What a great young man. We're proud of you. And uh, I want to talk about this a little bit. You can put that Deuteronomy 6 back up there, Laura. Thanks. And, uh, and come back to it. Talk a little bit about what that means. It'll lay the foundation for us today moving forward. And we'll come back to the scripture again next week as well. Um, let me even read it again. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. This scripture is going to come back up about 1,300 years later plus when Jesus says it again and um, reminds us of what we need to be aligned with. We'll come back to that in just a minute. And he says, you must commit yourselves. This is Moses now talking to the people that are going to go into the new land. And basically, I didn't say this earlier, but when they go into this new land that God has given them, promised them, um, even though it would be a long journey to get there, this is supposed to be the guiding idea, the guiding um, principle, the foundation that will guide them forward, move them forward, keep them in line with who God is, how he feels about them, and uh, what they're supposed to do. And so this is that guiding scripture. He says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. We know coming up there's going to be a list of commands, the Ten Commandments. There's a lot with that. Um, and he says that I'm giving you today. So I'm going to give you some things, and here is what's going to guide you. Don't worry about the second, we said last week, before you focus on the first. And he hasn't even given the commands yet. And he's going to tell you, as he said earlier, this is what's important. This is what matters most, to love God with everything you have. This is how I want you to line up with me. And then he says what Ethan read. Um, there's a lot behind this. Brent will talk about this next week. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them at home, on the road, when you go to bed, when you get up, all the time, basically. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so in Israel, even today, there's a lot of those elements that still happen. It's taken to a religious level sometimes, but the principle is still important. Repeat these things all the time. Tell your kids and your students all the time about who God is, how he feels about them, and how they're supposed to live their life according to him. Very important scripture. This will guide you, even if we look now thousands of years later, as we raise children and students, and as we live as adults and parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. So let me give you a few things concerning the scripture that matter. If we go back to that little first phrase, it says, listen, O Israel. This is an all call to everyone. So when we look at this scripture, this is an, a call to everyone involved. You're all um, a part of this. No one is excluded. So even when we talk today, it's easy to check out and go, oh, this is for parents of young children. Or this is for parents of teenagers. This is for grandparents. No, this call that Moses gave to the people was to everyone. Everybody had a part to play. When we end up today and next week and ask you to invest more in the lives of students and kids, it's a call to all of you. Now, it doesn't always play out right here in the church on Sunday. We hope a lot of you do that. But it may play out in many creative ways out in the community, in your home, 
If you're a teacher, it may be the way you do this at school. And I know you can't do maybe all that Moses is laying out, but think about the influence you can have on a student, on a child. It could be the way you treat them, you know, um, in the neighborhood. So when Moses lays this out, it's a call to everyone. Two, we are reminded last week, Moses lays out on this, that we align ourselves with what matters most. So the scripture tells us, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love him with all your heart, soul, strength. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So a few things in there pertaining to the scripture. One, it matters what we believe about God. So one of the things that Moses lays out from the very beginning, he says, this is who God is, and he is God alone. So listen, as a follower of Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ here today, this is a big deal for you to consider. Who is God to you? This is a big thing for your kids to consider. They've got to ask it for themselves, right? You can't do it for them at some point. Now, you can train them, guide them, do all the things that God commands for them, but ultimately, one of the questions that we all ask or have to ask ourselves is, what do you believe about God? So the scriptures tell us the, the, the foundational principle is he is God and he is God alone. So when you go into this land, Moses is saying, you're going to be confronted with all sorts of gods. You're going to be bombarded with all sorts of beliefs. Has that changed in thousands of years? When your kids walk out your door one day, some at 18, right? And some, you're praying right now, please, God, no, 32 or something like that. <laughs> right? Living in the basement. I'm, if you're here and you're doing that, I'm sorry, but okay, I'm just. <laughs> kind of where your parents finally come and go, you know, I think it's time that you leave, okay? I love you, but. <laughs> But once they, once they leave, hey, listen, once they leave the door of your home to go to school, they are confronted with a variety of beliefs, an incredible amount through media, social media, TV, movies, all the things that they're bombarded with constantly are trying to get them to align with someone or something what you believe about God matters. All of us, it matters. Um, and what we say matters most, we addressed this last week, we align. Um, what matters most is a loving relationship with God. You want to know ultimately what we're trying to do? I'm going to say do to your kids. But what, what we're trying to teach them, guide them in, it's not a secret. Filled with many great values, many great principles, but ultimately, my desire is that the kids and students of Journey have a loving, authentic relationship with Jesus. It is not a secret. There's not a hidden agenda. And if that's not going to happen here, then we got to shut it down. So we align ourselves with what matters most, and what matters most is Jesus. So that's where we go with your kids. What I believe about God matters. In that verse, those couple verses there, he's laying this out. We teach with that end in mind. So think about this. Just like Moses will try to teach them, I'm going to now list off to you a whole bunch of commands. And he knows what's going to happen. Probably goes, you know what's going to happen over the next couple thousand years too is people are going to come in and try to add all sorts of crazy commands to that. You're going to be, I think he'll even say, you know, maybe not in these words, but he'll say, listen, you're going to be tempted to follow commands more than God. 
And we do that. We tend to do that. We make them the thing. We make them what matters most. But one of the things that Moses is going to lay out and God is going to establish in his word is all these rules and guidelines and all this stuff compiled in there is really there to draw us back to him, get us realigned with who he is, how he feels about us, and the potential and possibility of how we can impact the world. And so constantly, there are things that I don't look at them as rules now. I look at them as loving ways for God to get me back into alignment with him. That's very important. Right? It's the way maybe or a part of how you raise your kids. You love your kids and you don't put rules there just because you're a, a parent that wants to make up rules. Unless you're here and you want to do that, maybe it's fun to you. I don't know. <laughs> but don't the rules of the house help draw your kids back into alignment with who you are as a family, what you value, what's important for them, and they're just not mature enough right now to get it? Isn't that the case? And so we can look then, if we look at what matters most, we see the end game, then those things, I mean, you can understand those things better. So we, we lead with that end in mind. Moses says in this verse uh, that it's a fight for the heart. I understand that. Maybe many of us can one of the things that God fights most for is our heart. Not just my actions, but my heart. And he'll say this in there. This is a wholehearted commitment. You need to, people, he says, if you want to succeed in this land, align yourself with what matters most, and you got to go all in. Following Jesus is all in. Not parts of our life, but we're all in. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, but we're all in with who he is, how he feels about us, and what we can do through his strength and power. So Moses is saying in there, listen, you want to succeed in this land? Love him with everything, all you got. So we want to help kids grow up to have an authentic and lasting love relationship with Jesus and go all in with him. So that when they leave your home and they college or they get a vocation or they move away or whatever they do, they're all in with Christ and so when they're bombarded with things, they always are drawn back to him. They've got something to grasp and hold on to. The other thing that this scripture teaches us when it says you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today is that it's personal. These words in there, you must commit yourselves to these commands that I am giving you today. I want us to keep in mind that as we look at the scripture and as we move forward and talk about our kids' ministry, our student ministry, our life with God as adults and people, is it starts when it's personal. One of the greatest things that you could do as a parent, let's just stick with that for a moment, one of the greatest things you can do as a parent to parent your children is to follow Jesus yourself. Commit yourself to Jesus. Commit yourself to him first. Go all in with him. A lot of times I think there's parents out there, especially young parents, that come back. It seems like that we see this pattern often. It's been around for a while. They followed Christ. They graduated from high school. Went to college. The story varies in there. They go out into the world. They leave Jesus, depending on what you believe about that. They have kids, 
and they come back to Jesus because they realize, uh uh-oh, I just have a little me (laughs) and I can't let what happened happen, right? And then you see the cycle like that. Hey, before you have kids or if you have and you feel like you failed or wherever you're at, one of the greatest things that you can do today is even before you worry about your child following Jesus, you follow Jesus. It's one of the greatest things you can do, if not the greatest. Sometimes we can get so caught up to do the right thing for them when you need to do the greatest thing for them, and that's follow Christ. Go all in with him, you. If you failed as a parent, mothers and fathers out there, and you look at your past, I don't want to call you a failure or say that. I'm just saying if you feel like that, it's not too late. It is not too late. And follow Jesus for yourself. Moses says, listen, when you go into the land, here, listen, it's for everyone. Align yourself with what matters most. It's personal. You follow him first. How we parent, how you are as parents, how you live, how you love, it matters. It influences. You're going to leave a legacy. Why not leave a legacy of Jesus? And then that little last part, Brent will come back to next week. Um, you create rhythms that remind your students, yourselves, your kids of core values, the core values of God. And that's when we come to those verses. And again, Brent will talk about it. Repeat, 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 repeat over and over again. And he'll even say morning and night. When they get up, when they go to bed, I almost here and there just make them so sick and tired. <laughs> it's not like that, but, it, you know, tie them on their forehead, you know, Um, all this kind of stuff just to remind them in creative ways who God is, how he feels about them, and the possibility and potential of who they can be in this world. It's unlimited with God. So let's talk a little bit about family. Um, This is kind of what we're doing is we we believe in it so much. We've hired full-time kids, Pastor Charles. Um, We're next going to tackle the youth our students, and uh, we want to invest fully in that. We just laid out we all have a part to play in that, and this is an all-call thing, and there's a lot behind that. One of the things that we want to do is we want to leverage the influence of the family. I want to talk to you a little bit about this, even though it doesn't apply to every single person in here, but it all matters to us. So the family has a great influence, and we want to leverage that influence. Both family and church have been instituted by God to demonstrate who he is to the world. And so God has, from the very beginning of time, raised up the family. And we know even today that can mean a lot of different things. I'm not going to get into all the details of that. But that means single parents, grandparents, you know, uh, co-parents. I don't know, all the stuff you could go down the list. God has established the family. There's the strength of discipleship. And he also has established the church. So we believe that these two influences can do great things for our kids and students. So we want to leverage that. Uh, It's God's plan to do an amazing work within the church and the home in order to put his grace and love on display. So when we operate this way, 
we are displaying to a lost world God's grace and love. And so again, we want to leverage that. God has that ideal. We can see this throughout Scripture, the importance of family. One of the, the places that I like because it connects to kind of what we're doing with rebuilding our kids' ministry. It's, it's existed. It's going. We just want it to be even better. We want to invest even more fully in it. Um, so one of the great stories in the Bible is of Nehemiah. I'm not going to read the Scripture, just a couple verses in just a minute. But one of the things that happens is after Moses did all this stuff, you know, years and years later, it, just like the cycles you see in the lives of people, it all falls apart. They go into the land, everything's grand and successful, falls apart. And that cycle just happens all the time. Well, it happens in one of those times where Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, is, is destroyed. The Jewish people are taken captive. Some are left. Everything's falling apart. Nehemiah, this leader, comes back from Babylon, and he goes in, and he sees his broken-down city, sees Jerusalem. He hears the stories. He weeps over it. It's been destroyed. It needs to be rebuilt. The people are discouraged. Some are in captivity. It's a mess. He wants to rebuild, though, and he rallies the troops. He rallies the people through the power of God and the power of community, and they begin to rebuild the city. And they do it in a miraculous way. They fight through persecution, through people abusing them, saying things about them, trying to discourage them, but they're on task. And one of the ways that he did it to protect the people and rebuild, actually rebuild the city, in uh, chapter 4, Nehemiah says like these words, like he, he gives a little strategy to what he did. And I really love this little part. He says, this was all happening. They're trying to discourage me and, and be against me and, and get the people to turn on me. And we're having a hard time. So he says, I, I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I think there's a lot of places in life where we can look at culture, our families, your home, and you can see exposed areas. Why is this thinking getting in? Where are my kids and students being exposed to certain things? And he says, so what I did is I placed into the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So one of the ways that he protected the city and rebuilt it back was by placing families in the gaps. And I love that. He says, one of the strengths of community, one of the ways that we're going to rescue our sons, our daughters, our homes, is by families. One of the ways we're going to guard against the influences trying to come in, the discouragements of life, you know, one of the ways we're going to do it is by families. And we see today a world filled with destroyed families. No way. No wonder. Nothing's changed. It's almost that same rally cry, really. What if we leverage the influence of families to rebuild what the enemy is trying to destroy? And so part of our strategy here is to do that. Families shape us. 
Families build and rebuild our lives. Families connect us. Families influence our story. The world tries to dictate and decide what a family is and how they are to operate. But we, as followers of Christ, if you are today, then we want to come back to what God says is important, to what God says matters most. One of the things that I was looking at in the orange in doing some studying through the studies that they did is uh, how much, and, and this is why we leverage some of this influence, how much uh, our kids are influenced by other things. So even like TV media, you combine all that together, from zero to eight years old, they're watching at least, it says, two and a half hours a night of media. And this, is, this is a couple-year-old study. When they're eight to 12, it goes up to four and a half, and even a little greater when they get into the high school years. It's a lot of hours per year, over 1,600 depending. Some of that can fluctuate based upon, you know, um, how much of that you have in your home and when your kids get a cell phone and all that. And most of it's consumed now, especially in an older age, it's consumed by our phones. If you notice that, everything is just getting more and more to our, our phones. I mean, it's just natural. It's going to do that, right, the, the way technology is. It's this massive influence that they have. But one of the things that uh, can be greater than that, that can double those hours, is parents. Approximately 3,000 hours a year, you as a parent or parents, grandparents, who, whoever you are, however that fits for you, approximately 3,000 hours you have to influence your child. If you take advantage of it. 3,000 hours. One of the other great influences, we have a ton less, though, based upon how often you come to church and sickness and holidays and stuff like that. The church has about 40 hours on average with your kids. 40 hours. One of the things that happened, just let me stop here for a moment. One of the things that happened is, now I, I, this can sound harsh, forgive me, and I don't have kids, but I'm not off the hook. I think in a lot of ways I have responsibility, especially in a leadership position. But a lot of times parents have expected the church to do their job. And that's not how God designed it. But what if, what if we leveraged that influence and said we have a bunch of hours, you as parents have tons more. What if we partnered together and helped one another through that process. Not took over for you, but helped you be successful at it. You know, even Disney noticed this. I was reading the history of Disneyland. Who's been to Disneyland here? Well, I guess you like that place, huh? It's magical, isn't it? <laughs> Happiest place on earth. Walt Disney uh, was taking his kids. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to this story, but he's taking his kids to some different amusement parks. And he always saw that I was reading different things. Um, he always saw like they were dirty, very random rides. Um, he talked about the vulgarity that was there. And he just didn't see it as a family place. That caused him to start dreaming and having a vision and imagine what if I created, we created a place that one, all my cartoon characters could come to life and get engaged with the people. That happened, didn't it? You go there and you're going to see a giant Mickey Mouse, right? A giant Goofy or whatever princes is uh, of that day, right? 
And he said, what if then we created something for the family? And so when Walt Disney went to create Disneyland, when he started thinking about the lands, Tomorrowland and Adventureland and, you know, Frontierland, when he started creating and designing, when he spent, I think it was at that time, $17 million just and all the craziness in the 50s there that he went through to get that place up and running along with all the people. What if we had a place that would create wonder and help people dream dreams? What if we had this happy place that was magical in its experience? And what if it was available to the whole family. When you go to Disneyland, is it all about the kids? No. And if you say it is, then you've not been to Disneyland, all right? <laughs> Even if you lie, it's awesome, right? Now, there's better roller coasters at places, but I would bet that sometimes you don't get a better experience. And that's what he wanted for families. What if we leverage the influence of the family? No one has more, more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than a parent. No one has more potential to influence the parent, I think, than the church. The church's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when it partners with a parent. The parent's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when that parent partners with the church. I believe that this is part of how God designed it. That's why we say, you can see it in this graphic here, we wanna, we wanna take the church and the family, that's why we call it orange. The light yellow of the church and the red, the heart of the family combined together, yellow and red is, man, you guys are smart, man. This is awesome. Like a little school class, huh? <laughs> and if we did that, we could impact these students and these kids even greater. And that's our desire to do that. This uh, video, minute long, shows you, um, it kind of gives some of the principles I want you to see uh, concerning Orange. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and we'll pray, do some communion, and sing a song. So our desire is uh, to have this strategy uh, that combines the critical influences, family, church, to demonstrate the message of God's story, and then influence the next generation. And I think we can do that. 
And I think, based upon Scripture, we haven't really gone deeply into lots of Scripture with it, but just the Deuteronomy 6 alone brings that up. And when you see the stories of God's Word, you see the importance of the family, you see the establishment of the church, and again, that we aren't to replace the family, but to partner with you. And that's all of us. That's an all-call, as Moses said. If we don't do this, if we don't do this, then we forfeit our potential to influence the lives of our kids and students. And if we don't do it, somebody else will. If we don't do it, then we miss critical opportunities to meet the needs of unchurched parents in our communities. So one of the things that we want to do is not just help you parent your kids and have a grand influence on them, but we believe out there there's a lot of parents that are struggling in raising their kids as well. What if through what we do, we can display God's grace and love to them even and give them hope? What if some of them come to know Jesus? Remember, that's what matters most to us. So what if this was displayed into the community as well? If we don't do this, then we promote the church as an institution which is isolated and not relevant to what's going on in culture. But what we, what we want to do is not create just an institution that's filled with programs. Like, I love Disney and Disneyland, but we are not trying to create Disneyland. In fact, I will declare to you, on our budget, we can't even come close. <laughs> I mean, I get one of you to, you know, dress up in a bear suit or something like that and walk around and... and, and <laughs> And if it serves the purpose to let kids know about Jesus and you too, we'll do it. But uh, we can't put roller coasters up. We can't create different lands. We can do things with excellence and we want to do that. But we're not trying to be Disneyland. But we are trying to promote Jesus. Lift him up. Make him famous. Let people know there's for them. So if we don't do something like this, then we become just an institution. If we become, I told you this last week, a drop-off place for your kids. There you go. Take them for an hour and a half. And that's not what we want. That'll create superficial relationships, and that's not what we're promoting here. We'll be more concerned with productions and programs than drawing your kids into a relationship with Jesus. So we become responsible for this spiritual growth. And so that's why we say we want to think orange. We want to leverage that influence and take the church and the family together to make a greater impact. And when we do that, one of the things that we'll learn to do is we don't do something for you. We do it with you. One of the great things I think about Christianity about following Jesus is we do things together. There was that element of the disciples following Christ, and it seems so often, right, that, that Jesus didn't do it for them. He did it with them. They did it together. Um, they had greater impact. Think about that. What a legacy Jesus left. Still does today, right? But even just from a practical standpoint, Jesus' idea was, man, I'll do it. There's that element, and then you do it with me, and now you go do it. That's discipleship. And that leverage, when he partnered that way with his people, 
in that sense, it, it just created a greater legacy. And, and so we want to leverage that, and that's why it's important to us. Um, so we want to do it with you. That's, that's why we'll start investing more. We already have with Charles and the family coming, the Allen family, and already doing some things to rooms and investing some money because when that becomes a priority, when that's what matters most, that's where we want to invest more money financially, where we want to invest more time, resources with who we are and what we have. Um, and that's why we'll start trying to create more programs for families, not just kids. So one of the things that we want to do is have things where the family is involved, not just some activity for your kids. Where you drop them off, we take them somewhere, we bring them back, and, and uh, we want to encourage family. And then one of the biggies is this, is uh, we want to help parents disciple their own kids. You don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many in here um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it from the dad angle. How many dads, but this is, applies to everyone, and you could be a grandparent too, of course, you know, mom and all that, but how many dads feel inadequate when it comes to discipling your own kids? I wonder what that feels like to you when I say this, because it almost might sound like, you know what, I don't like this church anymore because the pastor is saying that I'm going to have to do all the work <laughs> and the kids' workers aren't going to do it for me. Did you hear what I said earlier? As a church, folks, we have 40 hours on average with your kids. Parents, you have 3,000 every year. Who has the greater influence? You do. I think, though, with it, it, it can be scary because you don't feel adequate to tell your kids about Jesus. You're sliable enough. You feel like, but they'll see that I'm a hypocrite because I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to. What if, what if it didn't have to be like that? What if people would help you with that? I think one of the greatest gifts that uh, we can give parents is the confidence and courage to do what God has created and wired them to do. I really do. It's not gonna happen tomorrow. It's not gonna get all fixed right away. But this is a strong statement. I read it in there and, and uh, really, really probably need to even think about it more, but what happens at home is more important than what happens at the church. What happens at home is more important than what happens at the church. If we have 40 hours and you have 3,000, and believe me, what happens here is very important. Don't get me wrong. But would you even think about that this week? Would you let that sink in? What happens at home is more important. What I do with Jesus in my home is more important than even how I'm here here at the church. That, that's a big, heavy statement. In fact, that's important for all of us wherever we're at. And I want to encourage you, though, with that because I, I think this can feel very heavy. It even feels like, like that in here today. <laughs> like, oh. But parents, if you're starting again, 
You serve a God who forgives you, who redeems your past. It's never too late. No one's ever too far gone. God redeems that. God can redeem that. So here's what I want to encourage you with. You cannot do everything, okay? So a lot of times what we do is we hear something like this, and then next week if Brent gives some tools, some techniques from the Scripture, some ways that we can repeat and do, and what does that look like? The tendency, for me as a man it is, the tendency is I'm going to do it all today. Right? And I have, I have like a few minutes of glory. I nailed this, did it all. And then I have a complete failure because I can't keep that up. I cannot sustain that, right? Parents, you can't do everything, but you can do something more. You can start somewhere and do a little bit more. So how you are in the home, what you do on a daily basis, if now you're hearing the pastor go and you believe, Scripture says that what happens at home is more important than what happens at the church, well, then pick something and just start there. Next week when Brenton says, hey, what you do in the morning and night with your kids matters, okay? Repeat this, repeat this. Find one little thing. Maybe you don't do it every morning and every night, but you do it because you never did it at all in the morning. I don't know what that looks like for you, but would you consider that? I don't want you to get so discouraged that you do nothing. And I don't want you to feel like you have to do everything. But you all can do something. Maybe it's a grandparent, or maybe I've heard already people that are taking in kids foster care. There's a lot of ways that this can play out. Maybe it's kids in your neighborhood. The other thing we want to do to wrap up with this is then in that we can all call it takes the community, that, that whole it takes a community to raise a child. We want to leverage the influence of other voices. So in that we have the church and in it we have the family, but there are other voices that your kids and your students and we as people hear that can influence who we are and how we operate in life. Is that true? It is, right? Now, I already shared some is media, just what's filled with today. Today, I will intentionally be bombarded with commercials that will compel me to buy something through some cute little dog, something really funny, or whatever, through the Super Bowl. I'm going to watch, and it's no, it will influence me. I will be drawn towards something to buy, to experience. Imagine that daily, daily, daily. The world's doing a good job of, hey, repeat these things in the morning and repeat them at night. Tie them on your foreheads. Attach them to your belts, right? <laughs> Put them in your ears, whatever it is. There are other voices. Children need healthy adult voices other than their parents for spiritual development. That's why we want to have great, many more of you kids workers in our kids ministry. We need you. We don't just want you. It's not guilt. And if it's not your thing, like, I don't want you to go, great, now I'm supposed to help with the kids and I don't like kids. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> There's many other things you can help with be a part of. It takes a whole community to raise a child. 
Oh, Israel, Moses said, here's what we do for our kids. Um, and if they don't have other, other uh, healthy voices, there will be many unhealthy voices that will speak even louder. That's why I love, we've got, my wife's one of them, teachers, principals that are here at Journey. Your other voices, can you imagine just the tiny little bit of encouragement that you give on a daily basis? Even if you go, well, I can't talk about Jesus at the school. Yeah, but you can raise a kid up to his potential, right? You can encourage him because he just left a home where none of this is happening. And what he's been told all day, what if when they arrived at school and when they left school, they believed a little more that they're loved and cared for, that they can make a difference, that they belong, that someone loves and cares for them. And we can do that in so many ways with the kids in our neighborhood, with the schools, with places that we, we go to, and church, of course. What we want to do is widen the circle of influence then so that they can believe and belong this is why it's important that our things are rooted in community as well. Just to make a plug, it's why small groups are important. It's why um, part of Orange is small groups. You know why we need more volunteers in there? Because one of the things that they do on Sundays is they have a gathering. They do things like we do in here, and they also break up into small groups. Well, we need more people to do that. If we don't have enough people, we can't break them up properly. And they need those healthy voices. Can you imagine in here? Like what if, what if you were all part of a small group? Can you imagine that if you left today and you know another time during the week, you were a group, part of a group of people that would come and give you a place to belong? Because even as adults, we struggle with this. A place where you can believe a place where you're encouraged because you failed that week to get back up and you're reminded that God loves you, that he died for your sins. Can you imagine if you were a part of a group that helped you practically in some way in an area of life where you needed it? Can you imagine a place where they would hear, you know, this person would hear from someone else or you would hear or you would be the one to tell them, man, I love you too. You're not alone. I got your back. Could you imagine if we were all part of that? Because we can't do it in here. I can do it from the stage. You'll hit a few people in here, but can you imagine then what if our kids had that? And they do. We just need more help with it, and that's the direction we're going. This is why it's so important to be rooted in community, connected with a caring leader and a consistent group of peers, another loving, caring adult that will repeat the same things that the parents are saying at home. Can you imagine if your kid heard at church on Sunday, at school, from, you know, one of our worship leaders, David Kosan, he's a school teacher. Can you imagine, like, if your kid's in his class, you know that he's going to, maybe he can't say certain things, or I pointed you out, but you're already, I like to do that to you, David, but can you imagine, like, you're saying this to your kid, hey, I love you, God loves you. You could do anything through the power of God. You're teaching them how to forgive and care for others and be a servant 
Can you imagine? You said that in the morning. They went to school, and even though David might not be able to say Jesus, you know, all this stuff, but can you imagine if he was going, man, I believe in you. You belong here. You can make a difference. And then there's some friends that they have at school because they meet with them on Sunday in church, and they're in the same school as well, and they see them, and those kids are saying the same things. Maybe not as articulate. Maybe it comes through fun, some other funny ways or something like that. I don't know, but... Then can you imagine when they got home and you repeated what they heard all day? What if we consistently said that all together? So when I leverage my influence and the worship team can come for God's glory, when we tell God's story, when we connect kids to a leader who believes in their potential, when we give them a place to belong, when we leverage his influence we change how they see God, how they see themselves, how they see their future and their world and others. When we help them experience something that they will never forget, a God who loves them, others who believe in them, and opportunities to love others the way God does, when we do that, we leave a legacy in the lives of kids and students. We leave a legacy. Exodus, this is an interesting scripture to wrap up with. It can be a little heavy feeling, but I want you to think of it from this legacy standpoint. It's Exodus 20, five through six. So now Moses has established in Deuteronomy, he's established, uh, like, this is how you'll operate in the new land I'm giving you. If you're, a, if you're a parent or not a parent, you're gonna have kids or you have a new baby, this is the perfect way to kind of... You know, um, or maybe it's a grandparent. I know uh, Larry Kendall, just, they just had the twins. So he, in a, in a span of, what, a few months, four grandkids, man. Just boom, 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 boom. Just get it all done at once, I guess, you know. And uh, so he could think about these kinds of things. Moses tells the people, you're going to go into a new place. Hey, if you're a new parent or going to be a parent or thinking about being a parent one day, man, you're going to enter into a new place, a new thing, a new land. And what if your established fact is this? What matters most is your relationship with Jesus personally, and then you want to influence your kids that way as well. So this matters. God tells the people, before you do that, do this. Love me. I'm God alone. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Jesus repeats it over again. It's repeated through scriptures. And then he lays out all these kind of guiding commandments, rules, and laws to help the people live in a healthy way, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He lays it all out there. And uh, right in that time, he gives the Ten Commandments. Many of you know them. You read them. We're not going to read them today, but... In one of them, he kind of lays out these two verses there, and I wanted to use it as kind of some thought to legacy. So all that I shared with this morning, we're leaving a legacy into the kids if we live this way. He says, you must not bow down to them or worship them. That's these other idols, because he says, you're going to get into the land, and other influences are going to try to draw you away from me. Other idols, other gods are going to come before you. Again, it may look different, but the same principle today is happening. He says, so when you go into the land, don't bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Jealous because of this anger or mad. He's jealous because of his love. He loves you so much that he, it makes him jealous to see you love something else. 
someone else who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay, now this is the heavy part, but think it through with me. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. What you believe matters. What you do matters. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected. I'm sure some of us can testify to that. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. He says, listen, what you do matters. And what you do matters, not just for you personally, but it matters in the lives of your kids, your grandkids, those kids, right? Just down the line. Some of us, what we've done, there's patterns in our family, and it's what we do, right? We see that. Wow, I'm like that. This, is, this impacts the family. But... I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations to those who love me and obey my commands. So there's the negative part, but the negative is when you don't follow Jesus. My encouragement is start there, follow Jesus, and it says, the promise is, the other verses don't matter, read this verse. Follow me, love me, obey me, and listen, it's just not to the third or fourth generation. I will lavish my love on you for thousands of generations. Man, it makes a difference. When we live this way, so if us as a church partner with you as parents and we influence your kids and students to live for Jesus, can you imagine the legacy that we could live? Leave. Amazing. But it starts the relationship with Jesus. Would you stand with me? Where can you make a difference in the life of a child or a student? And today, if you're here and you do not follow Jesus, the best way to make a difference right now is to start following Jesus. Don't worry about anything else. Start right there. If you're here today and you said, Ron, I blew it with my kids, or they're, they're right in the midst of their teen years and uh, you're like, oh man, it's like hell at my home. <laughs> I don't know where you're at with that. Man, you can't do everything. But you know the something you could do today? Is surrender your life to Jesus. There's a start. You just tell our Father God, God, I'm a sinner, I need saving. And I can't do it myself. I've tried. So I thank you for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin. Gave his life so that I could live and be free and have a transformed life. Have this opportunity today to come before you. And God, I need you to transform me and change me and create a new man. So I need Jesus. And you go all in and follow him. Hey, I don't get it all, know it all, but I'm going to follow Jesus. You can say that today, and he will respond to you and do that. That's the starting place. Today, we celebrate that in communion. I'm going to let you go in just a second. You can take communion, the juice and, and uh, the, the little piece of bread. It represents the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. They represent those things so that we can remember how much we need him, how much he loves us, what he can do for us, what he wants to do in us, how he wants to live through us. Today, start right there. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. I drink this juice to remember that you shed your blood. You died for me. You gave your body, and I give mine back to you. I need you. Thank you. 
Maybe even today then you also lift up some kids or sisters or brothers or family members or people you know and pray for them and say, I want this to happen in their lives, Lord. And you lift them up in prayer. So I'm gonna let you go now. Communion's in the front and back to take communion and we're gonna sing a song and then uh, I'm gonna pray and let us go. But would you just take a little bit of time with him, talk to him, thank him, and uh, then we'll wrap up.